It's not a sweep, but the Braves make a big statement in L.A. No, I think it's just it was a good series. I think our guys are feel like they can play with anybody in the game. From the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, this is the Braves Report, presented by Kroger, the podcast that takes you inside the clubhouse and gives you the stories behind the score. I'm Jay Black with our AJC Braves beat reporter Justin Toscano coming to us from Dodger Stadium. And Justin, I believe the Braves have made their point. They have. They left it on the field. They did not give any bulletin board material for the Dodgers after the game, but we all saw what happened here this weekend. We'll discuss how much it means heading into October in about a month here, but for now, this was the best this series could have gone for the Braves. All right, coming up, was this really a National League Championship Series preview, and do the Braves have anybody to fear in the NL? Plus, did Ron Lacuna lock up the MVP? Is Max Fried an ace again? What should the Braves try to accomplish in the season's final month? And all the answers to all the questions in our Ask Justin segment. If you haven't heard us before, we are happy to have you as we enter the stretch run. Now some instructions. Please make sure you follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. This is the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, presented by Kroger. Now we all love baseball season, but we also love football season. And it's even better when it's baseball and football season. So there's only one place to go for your game day favorites, and that's Kroger. And Kroger has made it even easier with Boost Membership. Boost makes it easy to prep for the big game with free delivery and two times the fuel points. So save time and money so you can enjoy the game. Visit your local Kroger store today or sign up at Kroger.com. All right, long West Coast road trip has come to an end with a big 3-1 series win in L.A. Manager Brian Snitker, your thoughts? Overall, you know, coming in, when you make take a road trip or start a road trip like this where the places that we played, you just kind of – you, you can't look ahead at anything. You drive yourself crazy. So, But you know what? In retrospect, I look at the body of work, and it's really, really good. It was a really good road trip. A lot of great things happened. I mean, to take a series here is awesome. Um, played good baseball. Played really good baseball. And, and um, so, you know what? The guys earned an off day for tomorrow. Sneak peek of the uh, Ask Justin segment. Zach Armania uh, asked us on Twitter, road trip, A or A+. plus. A-pluses are hard to achieve, but I would say A-plus. Uh, and the reason being that <laughs> you had a tough one, man. San Francisco, Colorado, and L.A. So you're going out west. You're going Pacific time, mountain time, Pacific time. And in mountain time, you're playing at one of the toughest ballparks to pitch at, to play at. It decimates pitching staffs. And by the way, you didn't start with the Dodgers. You ended with the Dodgers. So you were on the road for one full week before having to play probably the second best team in baseball, I would say A+. You go 8-2. and two. West Coast road trips exist to unravel good East Coast teams, and that didn't happen here. The Braves go 8-2. and two. And by the way, Jay, I think if we read into this a little bit, the lone losses on this road trip were in series finales. When the Braves had already taken the series, the other team was desperate to Get out with you know with a win um, and salvage something from it. I would say A plus. I saw a real, lot of really good baseball, a lot of really good pitching. The offense kept going. They've got a lot to feel encouraged about, no matter how you read into it going forward. And this Dodgers series, of course, was the icing on the cake, uh, especially for fans. And the, I think the plus part of it, of course, is. The Braves finally figured out how to win in Dodger Stadium. You know, it's always going to be a lot of energy out there. It's a different place, man. This is, the, the, I don't know that we go anywhere else that's like this when we play. And, and um, uh, 
So it's good the guys experience all this, especially this time of year. Uh, yeah, it was it was loud. I had the pitch come pretty high up, and I think first pitch called was slider, and I was like, I think that's that slider. Um, so I wasn't even really confident with that because it was pretty loud. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's exciting to me in that. That's Michael talking about a pretty good weekend. Uh, first time the Braves have won a season series against the Dodgers in 10 years, and the first time they've won a series at Dodger Stadium since 2012. And you want me to take that a step further? The first time they've won a four-game series at Dodger Stadium since 2009. Jay, what were you doing in 2009? <laughs> I was in well, seventh grade. I was uh, I, I was at my uh, early in my career at my first full-time radio job. There you go. Yeah, that was... That was a long time ago for both of us. No, I think that perfectly puts into perspective just how good of a series win this was. We will discuss the implications on October and what it means for then. Let's focus on the now real quick. Not only was this a series win and one in a four-gamer at Dodger Stadium, this was a Dodger team, Jay, that came into this series 24-4 and in the month of August. They hadn't lost back-to-back games since the end of July, Um, And that was with an off day between those days. They hadn't lost on back-to-back days since a few days even before that, July, you know, early 20s. This was a Dodger team that was the hottest team in baseball. Uh, The hottest team, you know, in the National League, certainly. Probably the hottest team in the entire sport. They had been hitting. uh, And oh, by the way, the other guy in the MVP race ended with 51 hits uh, in August. And he is the first one, according to ESPN Stats and Info, the first player with at least 50 hits and at least 10 home runs in, um, you know, the month of August since I think it's uh, Lou Gehrig in 1930, is I think it was. So this team was very hot, and the Braves came in here after they'd already been on the road for a week, after they'd already played, you know, pretty two difficult places to play at, and they won three or four um, against a really hot team that has a lot of talent, that also has realistic World Series aspirations, you basically, they basically stacked a deck against the Braves this weekend, and the Braves won three of four and looked clearly like the better team. These were not fluke wins. I was surprised knowing at how hot the Dodgers were and watching them. I'm like, Mookie scares me. Freddie scares anybody. Bobby Miller can be kind of scary in the right situation. But that was, to me, seemed kind of it. Yeah, they're, they're kind of the sum of their parts. Like, when you look at that lineup, it's it's good. Mookie, Freddie, Will Smith, sure. Max Muncie has yeah. done great with the Dodgers, sure. But you've got Jason Hayward. And now, they didn't have J.D. Martinez this week, and they haven't had him for a bit. But you've got Jason Hayward, Chris Taylor, Kike Hernandez, Ahmed Rosario, Miguel Rojas. You've got a bunch of guys who are clearly worse than the players who preceded them the last couple of years. Think about this. The Dodgers of the past couple of years, I mean, in 2021, they had Trey Turner, Corey Seager, Max Scherzer. I mean, it was A.J. Pollock, um, you know, back when he was a little better. Still Mookie Betts, still Cody Bellinger. It, this is not the same Dodgers team, and yet they will probably still win a hundred games uh, if they play decently the rest of the way. It's almost incredible what they've done here because they've got, to some degree, a decimated pitching staff. Walker Buehler still not back. Julio Arias, not the same as he has been. Uh, Bobby Miller, good. But Emmett Sheehan, I mean, he looked good last night, 
but the they've patched it up with a lot of young guys and they're guys from their farm system but Clayton Kershaw older and apparently was throwing you know 88 89 the other day um according to one of my buddies who covers the team so i mean the and then the bullpen has had its own issues this is not the same Dodger team and i don't know how they are this good but I did notice the lack of length in the lineup when the brave starters were mowing through it. Once you get past those first four guys, I think you can almost take a break. I know they don't view it like that, but this isn't the Phillies lineup, at least on paper. Um, It's not the Braves lineup on paper. They're obviously doing something well, though, and they got really hot in August, and we'll see if they continue that into September. Uh, Now we enter the O. Durant Lacuna segment, and... Thursday probably was like the best day of Ronald Acuna's career. He invents the 30-60 club, and he does it with a grand slam. Well, I've seen him do it before in in those situations like that, in playoff scenarios, and, um, you know, that's pretty special. And it comes a few hours after he got married. It's something that's hard to explain or really inexplicable just because uh, the emotion, the excitement that I felt uh, at the wedding, um, you know, I left it out of the ballpark and then obviously the emotions that are connected here stay here as well i've still got like a lot of questions about about this wedding but let's start with the ball the 30 60 part of it obviously it's never been done before you've seen you've seen pretty much all 30 and all 60 how will you remember and mark this historic season i think probably by knowing that nobody it's cliche but nobody has ever had this season probably it's difficult to know you're witnessing something that's never been done especially when you get to those statistical round numbers. But I think the way I'd mark it is honestly with 121.2 miles per hour, which is how hard his latest home run went uh, on Saturday. I just feel like as fast as Ronald is and as much as he impacts the game with the legs, the way I'll remember this is it feels like every ball off his bat is going 110 miles an hour. Like, it feels like he is going to crush everything. Like, every time he comes up, I feel like he's going to get on base. He's got a almost a 420 on base percentage. I mean, he's got an OPS of almost 1,000. Uh, I really feel like it's sheer dominance at the plate. Like, you can't get him out. And that's how, that's how I will remember it, is that as a six-month tear, a six-month heater, he has just simply not slowed down and... I think as much as the stolen bases are impressive, to me, it's hard to get over how hard that guy hits the ball every single time. Like, he does not have any cheapies whatsoever. He hits pitches low in the zone, low and away, away, up and away, up and inside. Like, you can't, he doesn't have any holes. You can't, you can't pitch him any which way right now because he's crushing everything. You make a mistake, he's going to murder it. And so I think... The feeling of inevitability with Ronald Acuna Jr. that he will inevitably succeed, inevitably do something wonderful, inevitably leave you with your jaw dropped. That is how I will remember this. Um, and that's all wrapped up into, yeah, 30, 60, and potentially 40, 80, 40, 70. Did he lock up the MVP this week? I don't think so. And the reason I say that is because the reason for saying he did lock it up would be that maybe you leave such a big impression in voters' minds, right? They saw two MVP candidates on the same field and Ronald homered in three of the four games and his team took three of the four games. But I do think that Moogie Betts, depending on whether you look at baseball reference or fan graphs, is almost a full 
win, you know, ahead in wins above replacement. Uh, Mookie's got the higher OPS. He's got more home runs. He's got more RBIs. They're both at a leadoff spot. So it's, and Mookie's got, he's probably in what is, you know, he's in a stellar lineup, but it's not the Braves lineup. So it's, you know, to have that many RBIs at a leadoff spot is very good. That said, Ronald's ahead right now. I think Ronald's ahead. I, I don't think you can completely... It's not like Mookie has 30 stolen bases. He doesn't have 20 stolen bases. He's got 10 stolen bases. Mookie's pretty much a five-tool player, um, but I, I don't think you can discount the stolen bases. That's why I say Ronald is ahead still, but I think because it's September 3rd, as we record this, September 4th, when everybody will be listening... I don't think Acuna's wrapped it up because there is still time to go. And I saw how hot Mookie got. That guy had 51 hits in August. 51 hits. Yeah. And I think he had 30 RBIs in August. So if he has another month that somewhat resembles that or, or comes close to it, who knows, man? You saw what Mookie did when Acuna just had a week that, was, that wasn't as Acuna as we're used to. That's why I don't think Acuna's wrapped it up. If this were the fourth to last series of the season, I would say yes, because this would leave such a big impression in people's minds. But I, I think he's ahead because how can you look past 30, 60 and all the numbers? But I think Mookie man, his numbers are right there. And I think that there's a chance he could overtake Acuna if, if things go his way and not Acuna's way. Where does Acuna finish the season? 40, 70? You know, I'm going to say, yeah, right now I'm going to say, I think he gets to, you know, I, I think he gets 40-70. I don't want to bet against the guy. Yeah, I, I I mean, especially because he homered in three games here that shows you how quick that pace can come uh, for him. I didn't think he'd get 40 a few days ago. I'm leaning toward it now, and I don't want to bet against a guy I just saw play like he did over three games here when he's got a month to go. And he did have the secret of secret weddings, which was even news to the skipper. You know what? I'm better off not knowing most of this stuff, quite honestly. But congratulations to him. Well, tough to tell him that. And it's nice that he did because I think he's, you know, seen him. He's a really good father. He can do it all. He can hit 40-70 and get married before a game in L.A. Yeah. Yeah, man. He, yeah, that was, that was incredible. Um, and apparently ESPN had, you know, a nice story um, on how Ronald, uh, I guess his longtime girlfriend's visa was expiring, so he had to do it in L.A. Um, very cool move there. Uh, but, yeah, his teammates weren't even – I don't know if they were invited or I don't know who went. Michael Harris and Kevin Pillar joked that, you know, we our, our invitations must have just <laughs> – they still be in the – they're in the mail still. Um, and, yeah, Snit didn't – I don't think Snit found out until maybe after Thursday's game or right before it. I Yeah, I, that was news to me and – Till some pictures on social media were, you know, were posted, not even by Ronald. They were just floating around out there, stuff he was tagged in, I think, in social media um, or on social media, on Instagram or something like that. Um, that is, that's got to be the best day of anybody's life, right? Like, not only do you become the first player to ever reach 30-60 in MLB history, but you also get married. And the two boys are there. Um, he said it was a wonderful ceremony, really, you know, beautiful to see his beautiful family, um, all of that. That was, I don't think the magnitude of that hit me until later in terms of getting married in the morning and then doing what he did at night. Like that is, wow, what a day. 
And this also happened this week. <laughs> Two fans rushed on the field in Colorado and tried to hang out with a possible MVP. How scared were you in that moment in right field? Uh, I was a little scared at first, but, you know, I think the, the fans were out there and asking for a picture, but um, you know, security was able to get there, and so I think everything's okay. Everyone's okay. Do you hope there is some sort of punishment so other players are kept safe? Yeah, I don't know what to say. Um, you know, because the truth is, I think the fans are in the stands, and I think at any moment, you know, they can charge the field. And uh, I'd say the important thing is that we're all okay, and I hope that they're okay too. That was the Braves uh, interpreter, Franco Garcia, by the way. I've only seen a fan on the field one time in person, and, and that was a streaker at Turner Field. And it was awkward because I was there with my mom. Um, but uh, this particular incident was not quite as funny. No. Um, I, I guess it kind of ended up being a little bit funny, though, because for those who maybe don't know, three fans ran on the field. Two actually got on the field. The third one went in the stands. Um, we will get to that. <laughs> the first one went up to Ronald. And then security got to that guy like five seconds later. Um, and then the guy was bear-hugging Ronald. And then the second guy, when security and the guy and everybody's entangled, the second guy comes running up and bumps into the group and knocks Ronald over. That second guy, man, I don't think he was just intoxicated. I, he looks, <laughs> he looked yeah. as close to possessed as I've ever seen in my life. Like He had four security guards trying to take him down, and he just kept going up in the air. Like he... And he was hitting on, you know, a couple of the backs of security guards. And, yeah, that was that was nuts. They needed extra security to, to kind of get him. But um, you look back at the video, the first guy pulls his phone out as if he wants a selfie, which is what Ronald said in that quote. The funny part of that is Ronald almost leans in as if he's just going to get <laughs> the give that guy a selfie. And then and then I, as if he just figured, OK, I'll just take this picture and then he'll be dealt with whatever. Um, but. Props to Ronald and the rest of the Braves who, you know, Ronald especially, who must have been jarring to him. He didn't react as such. I mean, he didn't, uh, well, didn't beat up the guy, <laughs> didn't do anything. That's got to be pretty scary to see somebody running at you like, you know, like those guys were. Um, but, Jay, I did spend the early part of my Tuesday um, trying to reach out to people, and I did find out that those two fans – who con made physical contact with Ronald Acuna Jr. were charged, were they arrested, jailed, and charged with trespassing and disturbing the peace. Uh, the third one ran back into the stands. He was cited for trespassing, but no further charges, you know, were levied on him. Um, so, yeah, yeah, they they got in they got in legal trouble, and I don't know if they actually got the selfie. That's that's what I was wondering if they if the one guy got that, but. That was scary. You all see, Kevin Pillar told us after, you always just see these guys, like the, the streakers or the fans running on the field. Um, they're just parading out in the outfield. They, they might say hi to a player. They might run around. These guys were headed straight for Ronald, and I think that's what made it so scary. MLB's got to set the example, um, and really because maybe as our, you know, Ken Segura wrote uh, in a great column, those guys had good intentions, they, the Braves didn't believe they had bad intentions. What if the next fans to do something like that toward a player don't have those good intentions and are willing to ruin their life 
over that. Uh, that that is really really scary to think about the alternative. Let's be grateful that nobody was hurt this time. But uh, yeah, that was a scary situation. Yeah, fortunately for Ronald, the only thing that's going to be hurt is a couple of guys' their reputation, their legal situation, and their pocketbook. All right, coming up, can we now count on Max Fried to be the true ace of the staff again? And what do the Braves need to check off their wish list in the final month of the season? This is the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, presented by Kroger. When you're looking for leading cardiac treatment, look to Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with five emergency cardiac care centers, so we're here when you need us most. We lead with more than 55 locations in Georgia. That means we're always in the heart of your neighborhood. We lead with clarity, because clear direction is better when it comes to understanding every step of your treatment. Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with heart. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. I know welcome more people into our podcast community every day. And if you have not done so yet, you know, the Atlanta Journal Constitution covers the Braves like nobody else uh, in Atlanta and the Southeast. We have multiple reporters that have access to the team led by Justin. We've got three great columnists. We've got fantastic photos that you can get nowhere else and layouts in our e-paper. We've also got the Braves Report newsletter, which gives you Braves news in your inbox Monday through Friday. The only way you can get all of that is to subscribe to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. If you haven't done so, give us a shot. We'll make it easy for you. Only 99 cents for unlimited digital access for the next three months, and you don't just get our Braves coverage. You get everything we have to offer, all of our sports coverage. College football is kind of important right now. Falcons are kicking it off this coming weekend, and we've got uh, league-leading political coverage, investigations, breaking news, food, dining, on and on and on. So to take advantage of our introductory offer, go to subscribe ajc.com slash podcast that is subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast you can also click on the link in the show notes three months for 99 cents for unlimited digital access to the ajc so you always know what's really going on that's uh yeah that's that's pretty good 99 cents i mean i i always think when i'm at the airports how expensive things are like have you ever just gotten a bottle of water at the airport that's like five dollars <laughs> or like a bottle of water at your hotel or something like that 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 what how many subscriptions would five a five dollar six dollar bottle of water be that just yeah. just just chew chew on that one for for the next seven days life ain't cheap right now but the ajc is trying to make it easy for you to get uh to get coverage to everything that matters for you uh, in nice. atlanta and the state of georgia now as nice. good as acuna's week was i think maybe the biggest development for the braves world title chances is what max free did on friday night no it's big uh Definitely feel like I'd been going through the motions at times and not really been as sharp and focused on, you know, making pitches and kind of like winning a ball game the way that it was today. So um, it was definitely kind of a, a jolt and really going to try to use this as a springboard and hopefully, you know, the rest of the season can continue going this way and finish strong and, you know, see what happens in the postseason. Did you finally see a different guy out there on Friday? Yeah, um, Travis Darno said Max's thoughts were correct. Uh, 
I think that's probably just knowing, you know, how to execute things and what to execute when, because I tried to ask like, Hey, look, what'd you mean by that? You know, just nonchalantly. He couldn't tell me because he said it had to do with some scouting stuff, but he said he noticed that Max looked more like himself. I thought the same. He was attacking and everything was working. That was peak Max Freed and peak Max Freed at, at this point in his career is about as good as anyone in the game. Uh, and that was seven scoreless innings at Dodger Stadium. He was back home. He's a Harvard Westlake of Studio City grad. Uh, Jack Flaherty and Lucas Giolito, if you don't know, also went there. Uh, also major league pitchers. Max was terrific. Uh, and I do think that this is the max they need if they're going to win a World Series. I mean, I think you've got to have this guy at the top of your rotation uh, in the postseason the way he looked Friday night. Uh, he was excellent, man. Fourth career, double-digit strikeout game. Uh, I think the thing that the thing that stood out to me when you look at Max Fried, Dodger Stadium, all this stuff, Max Fried's allowed two earned runs in his last 20 innings at Dodger Stadium. He allowed four earned runs and only recorded a couple outs there, I think, in 2019 on a rough start there. Since then, man, he's had two scoreless seven inning appearances and i think uh seven and you know six and two runs so he's been terrific here back home kid who grew up going to dodger games remembers he was here when steve finley clinched the division with a grand slam um that was you know his favorite memory here coming to dodger games he was in the stands for that bigger picture this is a really good development for the braves uh did we ever doubt max freed would get here no, I don't I don't think so. I don't think anybody ever truly doubted that. You just knew that it was such a long layoff that he was going to have, you know, things to iron out. But the fact that he looked as good as he did at Dodger Stadium against this Dodger team um was really really encouraging. I thought he just seemed super in sync. I mean, everything was working and, and he was it was I mean, as his offense worked, uh, you know, the opposed as his offense worked Julio Arias, I mean, Max was terrific uh he was brilliant just worked really quickly was smooth i i mean there was not much to ride home about from that he had talked about fighting himself in previous starts that night it seemed like it was all working and you know we obviously around the trade deadline we got like a million ask justin questions about adding pitching adding pitching adding pitching we saw this weekend what alex anthopoulos was hoping to happen if Max Freed is Max Freed and everything else falls in line, this team's got enough pitching. Yeah, no, I. they definitely do. Um, and conversely, not that anybody would use this as ammo because the Braves are a tremendous lineup, but one of those guys that people were clamoring and yelling for, Lance Lynn, he didn't look so good on Thursday. No. I mean, no. he did not They hit not the ball look, hard on Lance Lynn. Yeah, yeah, and the Braves do that to everybody, but... He didn't look great. He was only walking the tightrope. And I think, you know, you saw this weekend, if you're a Braves fan, what you were hoping to see. I don't think you question the offense at all. But yeah, sure, it's fair to wonder if Charlie Morton and Bryce Elder can keep this up. But Jay, I would think this is one of the best things to come out of the weekend. Combined, the Braves starters totaled seven earned runs in 23 innings. I believe it was, which is tremendous. And three of those were on a Mookie Betts home run that, yes, was still home run, so you're not going to discount it. But it was 
it, it carried a little bit. I don't know if it had some backspin or whatever, but it it carried a little bit. And Spencer thought he, you know, had executed that pitch, and Ronald almost timed it up and robbed it at the wall. But I mean, seven earned runs in twenty three innings over four games against this lineup, you're gonna take it, especially when your lineup is as good as the Braves' lineup is. Uh, I, I thought that was really encouraging. Um, chief among the wins this weekend was Bryce Elder. I mean, I think we, we've we talked about him a lot on this podcast, but for Bryce to to go in here um, and do what he did, of you know, one run over seven innings uh, was just terrific. And I think my favorite Bryce stat to this point is that Bryce Elder has 11 games in which he has thrown at least six innings and given up one or fewer runs. That's tied for second in the majors. He's tied with Philly's Zach Wheeler. He's one behind Arizona's Zach Gallen. Arizona's Zach Gallen might win the Cy Young. So that's pretty good company to be in. And that's your likely number four pitcher in a postseason rotation. Yeah, no, it's unreal. And I I even think Snit said he thought Charlie was fighting it in the series finale. He was a little wobbly in that fifth inning, but... I thought all things considered, I mean, to only give up two runs, and yeah, Dylan Lee got him out of that fifth, and maybe he gives up more damage, whatever, but I think what you've seen with Charlie is tremendous. I mean, the curveball looked as good as it ever has, you know, in Colorado, um, as good as it has this season, Uh, and that's a place that usually does tricks to curveballs in a bad way, Uh, and so I, yeah, I, I think you feel really good if you're the Braves about Max Fried, Spencer Strider, Charlie Morton, and Bryce Elder. We'll see if Kyle Wright comes back, and if he does, how much of a factor he is. But I think the one thing we have to note is that now, if you include the three bullpen openers, the Braves have used 16 starting pitchers. That is 13 starting pitchers. I did a story about a week ago on pitchers getting extra rest. We talked about it on the last podcast, and I think in there I discovered that the Braves only have, at the time, only had like four starters with nine or more starts. Uh, which is pretty incredible that they have this record. And oh, by the way, fastest team in franchise history to 90 wins in the modern era, which is since 1900. Using a franchise record, 16 starting pitchers. And the 16th was Darius Vines, who um, looked pretty good in Colorado, and most people don't. <laughs> that was... A do- I don't know if this is like a meaningless, obscure stat, but I think, it, I think it's pretty cool. Um, Darius Vines, among... Guys who have debuted at Coors Field, among visiting players who have debuted at Coors Field, Darius Vines is the only one to go six innings or more with two runs or fewer. Like, he literally, if you want to mash that up another way, just by the line itself, he literally had the best start of any debuting visiting pitcher at Coors Field history. Now, that doesn't include the guys, the Rockies, who have debuted at Coors Field, (laughs) debuted at home. One of those guys, Tyler Matzik. Oh, had, yeah. had one of those such starts. Now, we've reached the, the final month of the season. First, you know, as we kind of wrap up what the Dodgers series mean, do you do you believe in baseball teams making statements? I, I think so. I, I totally think so. I think anybody, like, I'm not in that clubhouse for more than an hour and a half every day. Like, I'm not, I don't play for the team. I don't work for the team. But I think, you would be a fool to believe that they didn't come in here with 
you know, wanting to for it to go well, wanting to make maybe not a statement. I don't think they feel like they have anything really like to prove in terms of being at this up and coming scrappy team. But yeah, I do think you don't want to come out here and get embarrassed over a four game series. I mean, you want to come out here and really AJ, well, I'll put it to you this. AJ Minter told me before this series, yeah, like we want to come out and set a good tone for the postseason. He goes, I don't want to look too far ahead to the postseason, but we want to come out on a good foot and really show them who we are, like show them, you know, we are who they we say we are. And, you know, and that's, you know, one of the best teams in baseball and they are too. And he gave them respect. But yeah, like, of course, these teams wanted to go out here and leave feeling like the Braves did today. They're not going to say it, though, because after the game, Charlie Morton said, you know, hey, like the postseason did a different animal, which is true. He's not lying there. If you look forward, I don't know how much this is going to mean for October. Things change so rapidly in this game. Like we talked about last year, how this team looked so good. And then Max Freed gets sick. Spencer Strider hurts his oblique. Done. Braves are done. Phillies get super hot. Done. So who knows? Like I don't, you know, or in 2021, the Braves seem to have a shaky bullpen and then they get to the postseason. And that's maybe the main reason they win. You know, you could, and so I don't really, I don't really know if this means anything for October. I, I don't think it does. I think it confirms what we know. The Braves are probably, the, you know, the best team in baseball. They can play with anybody. It confirms that. It doesn't change my mind on anything, but yeah, it, it tells me this again that the Braves, it confirms, they have very realistic World Series aspirations. They could win a World Series this year. Like, this is a team that can do it. They are incredible. But the postseason is a different animal. Things happen. you got to have that magic. I mean, it, it just, you can't compare it. And the reason you can't compare it, Jay, is because I'm sitting here in Dodger Stadium and these people watch teams in 2021, 2022, 2018 and 2017 and 2019 not win the world series the lone world series they've won here in you know a bunch of years is that 2020 shortened season they've been good since 2017 2016 like they've been incredible since 2017 and they only have one world series to show for it it's a complete crapshoot but on the other hand yeah, like baseball teams want to make a statement. Like they got up for this series. Of course, this is one of those series you get up for. Nobody's going to lie about that. Um, does it mean anything for October? Probably not. Um, you probably can't make a tons of tons of correlations other than the way the teams look on paper and, and what we saw. But I do think that you would be a fool to believe that the Braves aren't heading home really, really proud and happy right now. What kind of things now, uh, besides obviously trying to lock up the top seed, which we know is, is is very valuable, but what else do the Braves need to do in the last month to best position them to get ready for the division series? Stay healthy. That That is literally the only one. I mean, you hope that, again, this is buying into the postseason magic narrative, but you hope that they haven't peaked too early. You hope that the best has not already happened and that the best is yet to come. Uh, but I think this team playing at an 80% capacity can beat any team in baseball. I mean, they're, they're just that good. They're going to have to play really, really well and play their best to win a world series, but they're not, you know, they're not going to have to be perfect. They're just that good and that deep and that talented. So in this final month, you hope they haven't peaked too soon and you hope they stay healthy. For me, health is the main thing, like especially to your starters. I, you can't, I don't know that they can do it. They've got incredible depth, but I don't know that they can do it without Max Freed or Spencer Strider. 
Um, you know, I think Bryce Elder, Charlie Morton injury would hurt. But I just they've got depth. They just cannot afford any of that to the position players or their top two starters. All right, now time for what's next. And what's next is a rare off day on Labor Day. Then the Braves finally back home, three against the Cardinals and three against the Pirates, two of the lowlier teams in the Central Division. Uh, TBA to start on uh, Tuesday. Any idea who's going to get the ball for that one? Yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, if you look at it, Alan Winans has not pitched in a week and a half, I believe it is, since the 26th. He will not get that start. Um, AJ Smith-Shaver pitched Sunday, but went 31 pitches as he's getting built up, coming off the injured list. Michael Soroka and Dylan Dodd both line up. So, I mean, if they want to go from AAA Gwinnett, it would be one of those guys, I would have to think. Uh, They could do a bullpen game, but I I don't think that would be very smart considering they're going to have that doubleheader in Philly the next Monday. Um, or not that it wouldn't be smart, but you would have to, you know, be sure that you could reset it, uh, before then reset your bullpen. Um, so yeah, I would think if they're going to go from AAA, it looks like it would have to be Michael Soroka or Dylan Dodd. All right. Now time for the ask Justin segment where I answer Braves fans questions on Twitter at Justin C. Toscano and from the AJC podcast hotline where you can call anytime at 404-526-AJCP and join the show. It's 404-526-2527. First up on the topic. Hey, guys, this is Bobby from Ohio. Uh, just curious what the thoughts are on rest versus rust as we go into the season's final month here. You know, as we just sort of dismantled our, probably our best competition going in, just wondering the thoughts of Snicker and staff and if we're going to see Acuna and Olsen and guys like that maybe go for 162 or if we'll see them get some rest here down the stretch. Thanks. Yeah, no, that's an awesome question. I love the age-old rest versus rust question because here's the thing. It's not scientific. Nobody knows. No, I know. And you wish you did, right? Because the here's a good theoretical before I get into this. What do last year's Braves do if they don't have to take five days off before their first game? That yep. is really hard. That The rust thing in baseball, like, it, it matters. I think, I think the way Brian Snicker and his staff set it up is, you know, playing every day here is the standard. It was passed on, you know, from Chipper to Freddie Freeman to Dansby Swanson, now to Austin Riley, Matt Olson, Ozzy Albies, Ronald Acuna. It is the standard. Uh, but there's a reason every superstar in sports, you know, for Major League Baseball, NBA, that sort of thing, there's a reason that rest days are built in and DNP coach's decision is built in in the NBA or or guys get a day off in baseball. This is such a mental game that it can really help guys. I think there's real benefits to maybe working in a day or two off over the last month for Ronald Acuna, Ozzy Albies, you know, Matt Olson, Austin Riley. Like, I think if you want to sprinkle those in after they clinch the division, like, I think that's a good thing because I don't think those guys will get rusty. Now, if they don't want a day off, if they want to keep playing, if they feel that rhythm, fine, do it. And you have to leave it to Snit's discretion on, you know, whether he sees, you know, if they look tired, if they look mentally out of it. I don't know. But everything's going well that there's not really probably not going to be an issue with that or with a major slumping guy. I would just say for rest and recuperation purposes, I would say, yeah, like give them each like two days off could do wonders because if you add those with the team off days, they're going to have some good time before the postseason to rest and recuperate. I think that's a big thing. And you're trying to keep guys fresh and healthy, not only healthy, but fresh. All right. Next up Brady from Florida. 
And, you know, it's getting unacceptable at this point, and I know a lot of people don't share the same opinion either. But Sean Murphy and Austin Riley are grounding into way too many double plays and killing way too many rallies. I don't know if the stats back it up, but the eye test certainly does. When does it get time to maybe move them down in the lineup and move Orlando Arcia up? I knew we'd have somebody that'd be unhappy. Yeah, I know. Um, I look like, I mean, you could say Orlando Arcia. I mean, at one point, his last three of his last four hits were home runs, but he was batting like under 200 for the stretch of like 15, 16 games. Like Orlando Arcia has really kind of struggled in this second half. Uh, but I, I get the sentiment in terms of moving those guys down. Um, I mean, I don't look like Sean Murphy's already, he bats sixth or seventh. I mean, Snitz moved the catcher spot down to sixth or seventh, uh, depending on the day and the outfielders uh, playing. But I mean, Austin Riley, like, look, that's a guy you want batting third. Like, until he shows you that he's going to go 0 for 45 or, I don't know, 3 for 40, like, and even then, who knows? You want Austin Riley batting third because you trust Austin Riley to get out of anything that he gets himself into in terms of a rut or a slump. So I, I don't see that. I think the Braves lineup is working just fine. They've won. I mean, what is it? They won eight and two on this road trip and won six in a row like that. Yeah, that, that they're doing well. Here's some advice from Uncle Jay. Um, if, if you're a fan who's getting frustrated, and it's, it's okay to get frustrated, just take a step back and remember, this may very well be the greatest Braves regular season in franchise history. Enjoy it. And then worry about yeah. October when we get to October. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. I, I get why, like, look, fans are fans for a reason. Like, that's an awesome thing. Apathy is way worse than even anger or dissatisfaction. But I don't think things could be going better for this team right now. Like, I, there are things you can always look to improve things. And that, like, look, that's the coaching staff, the front office. Like, they, they're always going to be worried. They're always going to be looking for ways to improve. But, yeah, I know Uncle Jay is, uh, I think, spot on. I think... Uh, there are 29 other fan bases that would kill for a season like this just once in franchise history. This is this might be among, and this is a team that won almost two decades worth of consecutive division titles in a storied, historical franchise with seasons in different cities. This might be the best Braves team there's ever been. I mean, in 20 years, Morgan Wallen's going to be singing about it, so enjoy it. 23 Braves, his son. Yeah, that would well, – we need a, we need a, we need the deluxe version of that song to come out. And uh, Riley and Olsen. Yeah, just. yeah. All right, next up from Megan L. Hall. Sometimes it can get lost in all the good baseball being played, but what are some things you feel like the Braves need to clean up before the postseason? Yeah, I mean, one, defensively, I think there are times when it's it's not great. They have a little couple of those games that are sloppy here and there. You can't be perfect. Base running is one of them for me. Like, I think they take some excellent chances on the bases because they can force the issue there. They do have good base runners. But we've seen things like the Eddie Rosario attempted steal <laughs> of home with Michael Harris at the plate and Ronald Acuna Jr. up next. And even if not them, Ozzy up after that, that can't happen. Stuff like they've got to rein that in just a little bit. Uh, and, and I think, you know, just, just take those chances a little bit more delicately uh, and they'll be fine. All right, next up from Knox Summer Hour, game one starter, question mark. Ooh, yeah, Max Fried. I mean, you can't you can't go against a guy like that. 
from Rodrigo Coutinho. When will the Braves extend Alex Anthopoulos? One more year left on his contract and a lot of teams on a hunt for their GMs. Yeah, I mean, Alex has said on our on this podcast in spring training that he will be here. You know, he's confident that he'll be here for, you know, a long time, be in Atlanta for a long time. Uh, so I, th- they will do it at some point. The organization will announce that sort of thing. I would think that it's, it's you know, it, it's common, whether it's, I don't know. I don't know that he wants it to be. I don't know this any of this. I'm just, this is just me speculating. Sometimes those things can just happen on a Friday in the off season. And Alex is the type of guy that doesn't like things to be about himself. So I would assume that it would be, I don't know about a news dump, but it would just be a little, uh, a little press release randomly someday in the off season. Who knows? Uh, or, you know, it could be before that if Terry McGurk or the organization wants to do that. But I think that, you know, it, I, all of this is to say, I would not be worried if I were a Braves fan, he will be leading your team for years. Last one from Gregory Isaac. I understand how options and roster restrictions work for the regular season, but once the postseason starts, are they allowed to construct a roster from each round from anyone on the 40-man, regardless of options, etc.? Yeah, so it's uh, teams will submit a different 26-man roster, or it could be the same depending on how they do it, but different 26-man rosters for each round of the postseason. Um, and the players have to come from the 40-man roster um, or the 60-day IL. Uh, and those guys have to be on the 40 man by um, August 31st. So basically before September 1st, and you're, you're eligible for the postseason. And they remember in the 2021 World Series, some of the obscure players that did not contribute much in the regular season, but contributed to the World Series, like Dylan Lee, Kyle Wright, Tucker Davidson. So anybody in the organization is an option in the playoffs. Tucker Davidson is a good trivia question. All right, now time for uh, winners of the week. You first. I mean, can you go with anybody but Ronald? Like, I think that he starts by having fans run at him, handles it well, ends as the first, as a married man who was the first 30-60 player in MLB history. We've already talked enough about him. I think I've said all I can say, but he is my winner of the week. Mine is a former Brave. The only former Brave to be a winning head coach of a major conference college football team. Ooh, wow. Coach Prime. <laughs> oh, man. I love that. That was that was one heck of a win. Um, <laughs> yes, it was. You cannot appreciate the way Prime goes about things, or you can dislike him, or you can just not be a big fan. But I don't think anybody can take away the fact that that man is an excellent football coach, and he turns around programs like it's nothing. Who knows? Maybe Colorado only wins four games this year. Maybe TCU's bad. But... I mean that was that was incredible. Uh, he yeah that that's funny. I love that. I love that former Brave thing. Yeah, his jersey just probably said what D Sanders. His his tenure with the Braves is actually like kind of underrated and extremely impressive. He had over five hundred in the World Series. He played for the Braves from ninety one to ninety four. Had fourteen triples in ninety two to lead the <sighs> National League. In 303 at-bats. 14 triples. I I would think Dion with that speed, I mean, man, if it goes anywhere near the gap and you don't have a solid arm and you're throwing against your momentum, like, that's a triple. Like, it doesn't even have to go to the wall. That's that's really interesting. That would be a fun look-back uh, story or something at one point, like the Dion Sanders-Braves era. That's, that's insane to think about. I wonder... Um, I don't know if our boss, uh, Chris Vivlamore would let me go cover 
all of Colorado's games, though. It's a, it's a, it's a fascinating um, look back for those of a certain age who didn't get to watch it that somebody could be a pro football Hall of Famer and hit over 500 in the World Series and now apparently is a turnaround artist in college football. So congratulations to Coach Prime. And that's it for the college football segment of this show. Now time to finish up with baseball. So uh, come on back to Atlanta, take the day off, and we'll see you back here on Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, no, it's uh, we got uh, three against the Cardinals, four against the Pirates. Uh, the Braves are inching steadily closer to clinching, so I, I would assume, I don't want to jinx anybody, but I would assume that by the time we do our next show, on our next show, we will talking about we will be talking about clinching scenarios. The magic number, the greatest two words in baseball. But until then, uh, the greatest two words in baseball podcast is Braves Report. Uh, so make sure you please rate, review, follow, share, subscribe, and we'll see you every Monday here on the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal Constitution. When you're looking for leading cardiac treatment, look to Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with five emergency cardiac care centers, so we're here when you need us most. We lead with more than 55 locations in Georgia. That means we're always in the heart of your neighborhood. We lead with clarity, because clear direction is better when it comes to understanding every step of your treatment. Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with heart. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.